Welcome to The Kid Is In School, where we talk about whatever we want since our kid is not here to interrupt us. But we don't have a lot of time before the bell rings, so let's get right into it. I don't understand why there are so many of these rehashed game shows right now. It's definitely a trend. It's all over the place. Like, you know, we're just trying to watch Hulu and all of the recommendations are the $100,000 pyramid and um, what, what were some of the other ones? The match game. The match game. Uh, I know Let's, Let's Make, Make a, a Deal has been on for a while. And I think I just saw a version of Press Your Luck pop up. I think that was there. Supermarket Squeep is back. Yeah. that's And I don't get it. It's like, is this, is this the same thing where... Uh, people in their 30s and 40s start buying all the toys from their youth. And so now they're thinking the viewing audience is in their 30s and 40s, so they're going to want to watch those game shows that were on television when they were little kids. Nostalgia is making a comeback. I guess nostalgia's been making a comeback for 20 years. (laughs) Now (laughs) nostalgia for nostalgia is the new comeback. I don't know. It's confusing. Well, personally... I don't mind the game shows, but I am a little sad that they don't capture the magic of the original. I did watch the match game and it made me laugh a lot. This is the one hosted by Alec Baldwin and it features a lot of celebrities. And you can tell there are jokes written into the show and that's what makes it fun. But I think as a kid, I was more invested in civilians on the street winning money. You know what I mean? The magic of the possibility of you winning money on the price is right. The actual hard, cold cash that they have in their hands when they hand it to somebody, I think that's always what intrigued me. There is, um, you know, there's game shows that have been on that never left the air. (laughs) Right, like Wheel of Fortune. Right, and, um, you know, Bob Barker's not on the air anymore, but we still have his show. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in fact, uh, not long ago there was a guy that i happened to go to college with at the same time he was a player for indiana and ended up getting drafted to the nba wow but, but he went on and won a car what? like a, a month ago that's I not know. fair it's not fair <laughs> he's got you know those those nba riches and of now all he's the going people on who don't need to win a car which he probably is just going to give the hyundai away like he can't fit in it he's six eleven. there's yeah. no way he's going to fit in it so those games like, my classic on. cars have taken up my entire garage collection so <laughs> yeah, there's only so many lamborghinis you can have you really need that, that hyundai uh, or a kia so those are always on and so those are morning shows though it's on well uh wheel of fortunes that last thing before an old person goes to bed mm-hmm. show but the other ones are during the day in fact i think let's make a deal might be a daytime one. Right. The nighttime game shows, I don't know if this is where you're going with this, but they have a whole different vibe. The nighttime game shows, like remember Deal or No Deal? Yes. It's essentially like... Let's be a millionaire. Who wants to be a millionaire? Exactly. Millionaire started it. It's dark set. You can barely see the audience. It's ominous music. It's laser lights. (laughs) (laughs) It's like if you took an old person to laser tag, that's what their experience would be. It does like smoke machines and fog and... (laughs) Uh, so so yeah, they have to be morning shows with the the funny costumes and the bright colors. Yeah, and there's something sad to me when where a game show like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire goes from that primetime show where everybody had to watch it to it's not as exciting anymore. So now they get a different host that's not quite as big a celebrity mm-hmm. as their original one, and then they put it on syndication like mm-hmm. in the afternoon at four o'clock. I'm yeah, like, oh. you see it in an airport. <laughs> I remember when I worked at College Humor, we had a really cool lunch or yeah, food 
what do you call the food court? Uh, break room. So anyway, there was this place where you could get cereal and tea and stuff and they had big screen TVs and when they showed Who Wants to Be a Millionaire with Meredith Vieira, it was after Regis and after the nighttime. I think someone had already won a million bucks and the movie Slumdog Millionaire was out. So it was kind of like a little bit over the hill. Um, I was just like, yeah, this doesn't have the same fun to it it's kind of yeah. just like <laughs> they don't have those laser light shows it's just one dude with a laser pointer <laughs> clicking on and off oh also the they background. dumb down the questions when it goes to the morning <laughs> from night to morning from night it goes like is this the pythagorean theorem to in the morning it's like uh who was the dad on the cosby show <laughs> <laughs> uh, if somebody got that one wrong like i can't i don't want to say the name it's really, it's triggering <laughs> So, yeah, it's they should have just changed it to like the money instead of it being who wants to be a millionaire. It's mm-hmm. like who wants to just have a couple bucks in their pocket after this. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other thing I think is hard when you're pitching a game show to just create one where people win a bunch of money like that. It's like if you don't conceive of it having celebrities and being very simple in a studio where you could record a bunch in one day, then this network's not going to give you a bunch of money to just give to a stranger. I imagine it's probably a lot cheaper than having scripted shows, though, is that, Uh, I mean, a million dollars is one thing, but it's incredibly hard probably for that show for you actually to win a million dollars. So probably they figured it out. There's probably some statistics where it's like most people end up walking away with, you know, $15,000 or something like that. Yes, you're exactly right. And then... They go, well, if you had a scripted show, because mm-hmm. they're paying the host a lot of money, I'm sure. Regis and Howie Mandel, they're getting paid lots of money to be on these type of shows. Mm-hmm. But they're still not getting paid that much. They're, I mean, they're, what are they doing? A hundred episodes a season or whatever it is. Yeah. And so they're getting paid $10 million or $20 million to do that. Well, if you have a hit sitcom that has the same number of viewers, so mm-hmm. 10, 20 million people watching this, you've got to pay each one of those actors that are... What you would pay the host. Probably, yeah. Right. So you got to pay them all. And they're like, yeah. And then so if you pay 15 grand to uh, people that win an average of that, you go, oh, that's nothing in expenses. We don't have to pay for sets. The set is made. So it's not, we have to change any sets up and we don't have to have the home and the living room and all the different things that a sitcom would have. We yeah, they have need to... the strategist to come in and, and help them save money and they start with shag carpeting. That's yeah. what you need. Nobody owns it anymore, so you can get it for yeah. cheap. Nobody's union on those things. <laughs> oh, how do you think Pat Sajak is living right now? I'm picturing him in a big, white, fluffy bathrobe at home. A lot of rings like Liberace. Yeah. And, uh, and in the morning he... He sits down at a breakfast table and he says, where are Pat Sajak's flapjacks? <laughs> I figured he just spun a wheel and just decide what... What he's he, eating for eating breakfast? For, it's, oh, bang. Bacon, bacon. Yeah, bacon. how much of his house is Wheel of Fortune themed yeah. and how much does he love it? Like like Jerry Lewis, I hear, when you visit him, he used to just throw you things with his face on it. Like, here, yeah. enjoy. Mm, picture of me. So Pat Sajak's like... Uh, when he kicks people out, he goes, I'm sorry, you're bankrupt. <laughs> that is weird about Jerry Lewis. Like, I don't want to go too far away from it, but that he gave things like monogrammed socks. Mm-hmm. And it also had not just his monogram, but his face, like the cartoon version of Jerry Lewis's face. Yeah, I think they were red. 
Red. Everything was red. I read that in a Neil Simon autobiography, I believe. Yeah, I think he had socks and bathrobes, <laughs> but like silky robes, maybe. I don't know. That's great. It just all sorts of things like that and would give them to guests that came over. And I, that's such a bizarre parting gift. Well, of for, course it is. It makes you wonder, did people enough people ask him for that that he finally just got it a bunch? <laughs> or was it his idea from the jump? I don't know. Yeah. People leave my house. I usually give them away free nail polish because I collect it and uh, I, I'm constantly trying to get rid of it. But it's too much. You get too much and you're trying to get rid of it. Maybe that's what he did. He ordered too much of his own merchandise. And he's like, <laughs> I got to get rid of this. He's like, it's free advertising, essentially. Yeah. They go out and wear it. It's good for me. Maybe we should do that. Like put our monogram and picture, put the podcast logo and whoever comes over. It's like, here, here's a t-shirt for you. <laughs> Got the website and Twitter I, handle. I can't remember what I told you I thought would be good podcast merch, but I remember two podcasts I've done, they've given me, one gave me pajamas, and I'm like, no one's ever going to see me wear this. No, that's that's a bad one. Yeah. We gave you toilet paper and... <laughs> tell your friends. <laughs> tell your friends. Hey guys, Drawer liners. Before, before you leave, anybody want to hit the head? Because yeah. uh, <laughs> I have some info you might want. Yeah, there is things that... Uh, uh, there are unique merchandise opportunities that people have done with podcasts and comedy, different things they sell after show. Bands do this. The the typical thing for a band or a comedian is like a t-shirt. You know, right. Neither of us do the t-shirt thing, but there's a lot of comedians that do a t-shirt. Uh, albums, obviously, if you're a musician, comedian, you sell those after shows. Mm -hmm. But there are people who we have seen have bizarre merchandise <laughs> i think uh, i know exactly who you're thinking you're of exactly, but we don't have to say the name i won't say the name but this guy was headlining uh i don't remember which one of us was maybe working with him but he, maybe both of us his entire merchandise uh table was full of things that were like from oriental trading company yeah Just, that one of one in particular was a fart slime yes. that he renamed his own with his own name yes <laughs> he's like this is my special gimmick and of course that means it's a jar of uh like gack and when you push your finger and it goes yeah so it's really funny it was funny on stage but, it is uh, but it's I'd all like, stuff like that it's you like could get it from the dollar store. googly glasses and <laughs> Uh, glow-in-the-dark straws and things like that where you just go, this is not, has nothing to do with your act. And he spent a good chunk of time selling it during his act. And so he's headlining, yeah. he's doing 45 minutes. I bet you at least five full minutes were selling those products. Showing yeah. like, I got this thing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you can get this, woo! <laughs> and a <laughs> whistle. And, yeah. And, and it's like... I, a New Year's Eve kazoo. Yeah. And Happy I, New Year. I mean, maybe people buy that stuff, but it's I can't imagine like uh, just slogging along every every gig, right? Carrying this bag full of junk. It's essentially a. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say it's like a magician store. Yeah. You know, when you go to the gift shop at an amusement park and you get like a, the disappearing coin trick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not just have like here's a can of soup for my. <laughs> That's what, oh, you know, when we used to produce the living room show for a while, we were giving away books that we had in our house. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah. As a prize to the audience. The, er, they were every, decent books. Every week an audience won a prize. But it was because we collected comedian autobiographies. And yes. once we were done reading them, they were taking up space, so we'd give them away. We had all these books, and so that's when we did the, the Hat of Chance. The Hat of Chance. And that was the only way to win was just by chance. And so they just, <laughs> just put pull them, your name out. Pull your name out of a hat. 
And so anyway, gimmicks. It's hard to seize on one that's good. Yeah, and that's the thing. I was even hearing a pro wrestler talk. So there's the Undertaker. He was mm-hmm. talking to Mike Tyson recently. That I, I I guess Mike Tyson has a podcast, and so he was interviewing the Undertaker, and they were talking about selling yourself you know they're talking more in the combat world i mean wrestling kind of falls under that category it's entertainment it's you know combat quote unquote sports but it it was something where they said gimmicks are really necessary mm-hmm. conor mcgregor uh even mike tyson himself the undertaker was, mike tyson what was his gimmick i wonder well he he was talking about he goes it's real that that he was this brooklyn tough kid you know with this old man trainer custom auto and and then later on in his career he became more of the the trash talker in the in the uh promo leading up to the fight he's selling uh orecchietti pasta that's yeah. a figure shaped pasta <laughs> yeah and so yeah that that would have been perfect he should have called me wow that he should definitely that should be for his podcast he should that's his merchandise <laughs> orecchietti and so they, you know, he went from being quiet destroyer when he was young. So he would just come out with a towel over his head, didn't even have like a robe or anything, nothing fancy, just, mm-hmm. you know, came out and was intimidating people. Later in his career, after his prison sentence, when he made the comeback, he would, I remember because I was maybe in high school, maybe not quite in high school when he made that comeback. And we knew about when he was getting out of jail because he was in jail in Indiana. All and right. so. A, he came out and then he was having these press conferences and so he would have all of these uh, very extravagant words that he was using but it always with that little bit of a lisp mm-hmm. you know and at one point when he was going to take on Lennox Lewis he said I'm going to eat his children wow and so I, <laughs> so I guess that's his gimmick is a cannibal <laughs> but yeah he's, he's had quite the evolution <laughs> yes yeah, from being quiet to I'm going to eat children. Can you go back to quiet, Mike, please? Yes, we we yeah. Now that Can we you stop know what you're thinking, improvising. So you know, comedians. I, I suppose there is a bit of a gimmick that a gimmick is the word that wrestlers and fighters maybe use. It's it, I think it's, it's like a hook. A right? hook, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think with comedians, gimmick sounds insulting because it's like oh you're gimmicky but it's like you kind of do need to have a defined persona that's essentially what a gimmick is like the undertaker was a defined persona i was just thinking it'd be a funny sketch if uh, a wrestler was trying to find a defined persona and he kept going too real yeah (laughs) his opponent what is that called when they both battle each other in the promo is it just called a promo? Yeah, yeah just like so, the, uh, the in, interviews, you know. In the interview, uh, one guy's like, you're a scumbag, and I'm going to get you. And the guy's like, yes, and I will tear your family apart limb from limb. Like a yeah. serial killer, I will hide them in a cabin in the woods. Well, well, so yeah, that's, well, that's the creepy version of it. There are um, times that it has gotten too real, I think, where in a promo, um, Shawn Michaels basically insinuated that Bret Hart was cheating on his wife oh, and he dear. said that and, he, and they i think everybody was kind of like uh <laughs> you're not supposed to make the the referee in the middle or the announcer in the middle break character. i know <laughs> starts to try to pull the mic away from you like eh, we don't want to say that sean like you know. <laughs> that is yeah it is you don't want it to get too real like uh where you say the actual name or you feel like they're they're tax problems <laughs> yeah that's why you cheated on your wife last night, and I saw it. I had the proof. <laughs> and there was a there was a basketball player that did that. Um, D'Angelo Russell was the one that uh, kind of 
filmed this and put it on the internet. I can't remember who the guy was that he filmed, but they were in a hotel room, you know, probably on the road for a basketball game. And he was filming it and the other guy was talking about cheating on his girlfriend who it it might've been uh, Iggy Azalea that you know what i feel like svu did a version of that like that only sounds familiar to me as a storyline on one of those lawyer dramas so maybe yeah yeah, because they always pull from real life yeah and so i i think it was whoever was uh, iggy's fiance at the time or whatever and so he ends up posting this on tiktok or something like that she breaks up with it the guy and Mm. everything and then he gets the bad reputation because it's like oh man you You snitched you snitched (laughs) and which is funny to me like snitching is a funny concept Mm -hmm. because it's always like the person that did the morally reprehensible thing is not the bad guy in the situation it's the person that told on them it's the whistleblower yeah this is taking me back to sixth grade when i was entering middle school i had just left grade school where i was heavily coddled and um a kid behind me kept bothering me he would just say hey girl hey girl and and i was like leave me alone so i went up to the teacher expecting her to yell at him and i was like he won't stop bothering me and she rolled her eyes and was like just ignore him i feel like this (laughs) came up in one of our podcasts before but i was so shut down i was like oh i have to do this on my own now yeah no you take care of me yeah (laughs) for starters carry me yeah (laughs) put me on your hip while we finish class (laughs) (laughs) and what'd you say this is sixth grade seventh grade You're 11, 12, 13 years old asking for... This is not my story to tell, but oh my gosh, one of my favorite uh, anecdotes from a friend is when he said he was giving a tour of, given a tour of middle school, and they said, do you have any questions? And he raised his hand, and he said, yes, when's recess? Oh. <laughs> and, and everybody was like, oh, son, oh, there's oh, no recess Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. No, I'm sorry to tell you this, that you're in for a rude awakening. <laughs> there's no nap time either. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the juice boxes? Yeah, that's me in the corner breaking yeah. it to him. There's no nap time either. I'm holding my blanket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a... Oh boy, I, I know the, the, that transition into adulthood. Is, I mean, it's not adulthood to be in middle school, but there is a transition. Young adulthood, there. yeah. Yeah, where you're, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm surprised by what I'm now encountering. People are not treating me as... A little baby anymore. I know, and that you know who that reminds me of? Our favorite daughter. Uh, she's transitioning. She's now five, and I am... She's losing some of that baby sheen, and I'm now, you know, a little more stern. And she's like, I don't like when you take that tone with me. And I'm like, well, you're a big kid now. Yeah. <laughs> you're not... But I do think... I watch old videos of when she's two, and I'm like, wow, I sound really gentle. Like, yeah. I'm just like, hello? Oh, you just fell down, didn't you? But in real life, I'm like... <sighs> all right, do you really need my help? Okay, come on, let's do it. You know, and she's like, yeah, pick me up. <laughs> yeah, she has been doing that bit with me. Of uh, Not so much that me, I'm being stern, because I don't think I'm the stern one, uh, is that she wants me to pick her up a lot. Like whenever we're coming back from school and we get off the train, she's like, carry me. And I'm like, ah, I, I can carry you some, but... Or it's easier to put her on my shoulders, mm-hmm. but she wants me to carry her in her, my arms. Yeah, she's like, had a growth spurt, and lifting her up to my hip, her feet almost drag on the ground. I know. She's almost <laughs> four feet tall at five years old, and she's. it's like it's just a lot to have like 50 pounds just right in front of you that you're carrying. Of course, of course. 
Man, that's tough though, because when I want her to sit on my lap on the couch, she's like, give me space. Like, when can we meet in the middle, kid? Yeah. Which was, you know, we were able to watch a, a movie. I finally talked her into watching The Prince and the Frog, or The Princess and the Frog. Right. As she Which did. should be called The Two Frogs. It is, yeah. They're both frogs. Like, <laughs> well, it's a little bit of a turn there. The Princess like, is the Frog. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yes. Um, spoiler alerts. Well, I didn't notice until I walked in on you guys watching it. Uh, I came into the living room and noticed, and I was like, there's two frogs now? Like, I just didn't remember that. Yeah. I've seen it, but I forgot that completely. Yeah, well, you weren't a little kid when this one came out. This came right. out in 2009. And right. so it's something where she kisses the frog and then becomes a frog. <laughs> and I think it's because she's not a princess. So I don't know if that's what would happen to everybody that kissed this frog <laughs> like if everyone just if they didn't know about the princess part and mm-hmm. they just kissed could you have everyone in the family turning into a frog he's desperate to get out of his frogdom so he'll yeah. kiss whomever but then it unfortunately turns them into I toads. know and it play, takes place in New Orleans so there is no princesses there like none <laughs> he should have known right he was and very the, self it's kind of like a metaphor for passing on an STD yes you really have to disclose <laughs> before you just infect someone else I know and the thing I mean there's a lot of things that don't quite make sense because I mean we're now dissecting the logic of a uh, Disney show or Disney movie from it's years better ago better than dissecting a real frog go it on it is yes <laughs> yeah I didn't even put that one together <laughs> uh, and so they uh, Tiana kisses him and then becomes a frog because she's not a princess. Later on, her friend, who is kind of a princess because her dad is the king of the Mardi Gras parade mm-hmm. till midnight, she kisses the frog after midnight, but she doesn't become a frog. Oh. Like, why didn't she come become a frog? She's a Pino, a princess in name only. Yes. <laughs> she should have become a frog, though, like she based on the have. logic of the film. You're right. And so... That's that's now gonna haunt me. So <laughs> no, you. I'm sure there is a Reddit thread for you that someone's already discovered this. I, I found know. out whenever there's something Snopes or Reddit has my back whenever I'm bothered by something. I, you know, and this is it's just another example of white privilege. The white print, you know, not princess kisses the frog. She doesn't become a frog, mm-hmm. but the black not princess kisses the frog. She becomes a frog for eternity. Disney, you <laughs> messed up again. <laughs> yeah. We we got far away from it, but I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to see if you remember the time we were on a game show. I was going to ask, oh, would yeah. you rather create a game show or be on one? And the fun fact is, we have been on one. Yes, I well, I definitely would rather create that. There's which is, more money in creating. Yes, <laughs> than the five thousand you get to go home with. Yeah, if, if you're lucky. If that, yeah. Yes, I believe we went home with nothing. So, <laughs> but a good. Story. Yeah, we were on the newlywed game, and we were close to winning that thing. I think we were like in second place, and then, or even maybe tied for first place. I can't remember. Yeah, it's we been, were. Was, I I so thought we were gonna win, yeah. and I think the prize was a vacation for two. I think it was maybe a cruise or you know a, a trip to someplace. You know, someplace warm. Because I remember yeah. we were in New York, and the newlywed game show at the time was hosted by Sherry Shepard. Yeah. Who yeah. congratulations to Sherry on her new talk show? That's very exciting. But she was really kind to us when we performed. And yes. She was a comedian. And we told her we were comics, so she was very, like, treated us on her level, which was very nice. She sure did, and she also uh, let us be funny. Right. Where she was like, because you guys are comics, I just let you guys talk a little bit because I thought you could handle it. Mm-hmm. Whereas just people off the street, you know, mm-hmm. she might cut off a little bit 
or interject more. Mm-hmm. She didn't do that for us. And so that was kind of her. We ended up following each other on Twitter afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I think so, she's awesome. But it was sad that we did not go away with the prize because I was pretty confident up until the very end. I think you can probably see it on my face in that episode of like, wait a second, we didn't win? Yeah. <laughs> You're you're that person at the Oscar that's Oscars that stands up after they've called somebody else's name and uh and then slowly sits down. Yeah. <laughs> or stays applauding the person. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you remember seeing it was on Vine of all things, but Michael Keaton putting an acceptance speech back into his pocket oh, yeah. the the year I think he did not win for yeah. What was it called? Bat- it was very similar to Batman. But it the wasn't. Birdman? The Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if he did that to be funny, because I know I would do that. I know if it was... It's I, a genius move if it is to be funny. Because yeah. he was a comedian, which people don't really remember that Michael Keaton was a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. But he and Howie Mandel are uh, the people that... A couple of the guys that were comedians so long ago and have done basically no real comedy, like... They don't do comedy specials. They don't right. They successfully albums. crossed over to drama and right. stayed there. And so they, I don't know that younger. And we're actually we're a little bit too young to even know them as comedians. Like right. By the time I'm introduced to Michael Keaton, maybe Mr. Mom. Is that what the name of the movie yes. was? Mr. Mom was maybe the first time I ever saw it, and it was on VHS at somebody's house playing. And I don't remember the movie at all. But Batman. That was the first time where I went to movies, saw him. Oh my you know? gosh, what a change. Very funny in Mr. Mom. Very good in Batman. Yeah. He can do it all. Yeah, and I, I don't remember him in Mr. Mom at all. Like, I don't remember... Oh, you don't remember that movie? Uh, I just watched it like yeah. two months ago. <laughs> I look for these things on Tubi. I'm like, oh, thank goodness there are these streaming platforms that have the oldest, most obscure shows. Tubi movies. is like that station that we all had growing up well, on actual television mm-hmm. where there was... ABC, CBS, and NBC. Mm-hmm. But then there was always like some other station. There was Fox, but then there was like some other local station. I think it was just Channel 4 where <laughs> where we grew up. And they would have just old stuff on it. So you have yeah. like the Beverly Hillbillies was on every day and, <laughs> and Gilligan's Island and just the oldest show, Dobie Gillis. Just the stuff where you're like, this stuff was, even when we were kids, 30 years old yeah. at the time. No, that stuff is still out there because yeah. I worked when I worked in LA five years ago, they had Me TV, and then when we came back to New York, they had Cozy TV. So there are these stations that just air the programming from, yeah, the 60s and, and 50s. I, my, this is a, a kind of back to what we we're talking about producing television, mm-hmm. the cost of it, is that's got to be so cheap. It's got to be incredibly cheap to just have a station that you're broadcasting shows that some people f troop like yeah. nobody's watched this in 50 years and cheap for them lucrative for the Andy Griffith estate yes <laughs> <laughs> his great grandkids are just rolling in dough I'm sure I may well it depends on what rolling in dough is like it, it must be some sort of cost benefit where that what they pay is less than what it would cost to produce a new show so in less than producing a game show so you have such a mind of a producer i don't ever think about that i don't think about the cost of things and i don't (laughs) you're you're like those audience members that think everybody in show business is a millionaire yeah (laughs) you've been on tv once you're a millionaire i i still think that when they say on a game show you could win up to a hundred thousand dollars it's like wow i could quit my job and live in a mansion yeah Yeah, it's... Uh, Which game show would you have been on if you were yeah. little? When you were little? Like, think back to the ones... Pressure Lock. 
was the one that I wanted to be because they had that cartoon. The whammies. Whammy. I was, yeah, I was like, the Noid? It's not the Noid. It was you the must whammies. have thought they were in studio with you. Yes. Like, well, they were so, they always were funny. Mm-hmm. They come have a stick of dynamite and blow up your money or whatever it was. <laughs> they would <laughs> you, They would have to say, no whammies, no whammies, stop. And the kids at home would be like, whammy, whammy. Yeah, I want to see the whammy. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, no. Yeah, so which is the funny thing is like maybe I don't want to be on that show. I just want to watch other people lose on that show. <laughs> and I but I don't actually remember the game show itself. I remember the whammies, but I don't yeah, I know I don't that, remember the is it trivia? Is it I don't know. There's no celebs involved. I think I remember that. I used to watch yeah. I used to watch Hollywood Squares. I we even owned a a board game version of Wheel of Fortune that I loved. Ooh. You could hide the the revealed secret or the word puzzle it's a little white sheet with black letters. You hide it behind a blue plastic wall and then you can drop down where the letters go. Oh, they have, well, you know, on some of these game shows, uh, the prize, like you have the first prize would be, let's just say a thousand dollars and second prize, a hundred dollars and third prize, the game board version of the (laughs) thing you're on right now. Like, Oh, thank you. They made game shows. Yeah. For us, when we were kids that were kind of lame, one was cute it was hosted by paul provenza and it was like kids court kids court i remember kids court yeah, yeah. and so they'd say fair or unfair and the, the audience could decide but um but there was one i used to kind of watch and i clearly it was was recorded in the 80s aired in the 90s but it was like uh it was like brother versus sister do you remember that one hmm. brothers and sisters Vaguely. would compete and you'd win like a huffy bike at the end there, there would be a little prize pack or a little and this was different than kids court yeah, because I don't think kids won prizes on kids court. They just got the right to be right or wrong. It was like yeah. a little mini people's court. Yeah, I don't. I, the thing is, I can't really remember all of that. I remember Legends of the Hidden Temple. Right. Now that was cool. Double that dare. one and Double Dare. Yeah. yeah. This was a new era. I think from the 80s game shows were like mini versions of the adult ones and they were in studio. The, the interactive ones like Guts. And yeah. what's the other one with? What wild and crazy kids? Nickelodeon understood what kids wanted to yeah. see on television. They had a they had a lot of those type of shows, and I don't know that I remember all of them. But one was called "Don't Just Sit There." I don't remember that one. Oh man, I'd love to show it to you when we when we get off. Uh, I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's really the Double Dare and then Super Double Dare, and you know that that was fun because you got to see them do the physical challenges mm-hmm. and the trivia stuff. I don't even remember what they asked the kids, but just the fact that they had to go through slime and there's a big nose. I remember the nose that you had to pick the boogers out. <laughs> to you know. this day, I can't enjoy a bowl of oatmeal unless it's dyed green and has an orange flag hiding inside. Yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I, I think it, technically, I think those would be the game shows I'd want to be on. Yeah, if I me could be too. On I was really into being on Guts because American Gladiators at the time looked way too grueling and terrifying. <laughs> honestly, I don't want muscle-bound people chasing me. Yeah, <laughs> me running for my life. I have no, I'm no match for them. But but wearing moon shoes, those mini trampoline shoes, running around a racetrack, I could do that. Yeah, of course. You know, you could do the games that were designed for eight-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> We uh, well, yeah, they probably were too athletic for me too, honestly. Like, if because I didn't do much moving, I had a skip it at home and a pogo ball, but I gave up on those after about thirty seconds. Yeah, I um, I think the first game show for kids that I remember was on the Bozo 
show. Oh, right. And it wasn't really like it was the whole thing wasn't a game show, but they had the grand prize game mm-hmm. with the buckets and you had to throw the ping pong ball in and the very last bucket, which I wanted to be on this show so bad. And I only saw it when I was at my grandma's house. She lived in Illinois. So they got Chicago television, which WGN. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Bozo show was on. Right. So uh, the very last bucket, which I think there was maybe five or six buckets, was a crisp brand new $50 bill. Wow. And I was like, oh, I want that $50 bill. Because <laughs> Bozo really sold it. Like, this is a crisp. You like snap it. Tooth Fairy never gave you that. I know. And I think the one before that was a bicycle. So for whatever reason, the... The bicycle was less than $50 of value. Yeah. I don't know how many shows were like Bozo the Clown, but I know when I watched Scrooged and the Ghost of Christmas Past takes him onto a game show he was on in the television studio, it's definitely modeled after Bozo to me. Yeah. Kids in the audience shouting at the people. And I don't know if they do that uh, much anymore because I don't... Also, I don't know how big Nickelodeon is now for kids Mm -hmm. because when we were kids you know five till 15 nickelodeon was the station that you would go to and they had programming for kids that were a little bit older like are you afraid of the dark mm-hmm. ren and stimpy mm-hmm. um, spongebob those type of things but then for the little kids they had rugrats, you know, rugrats. They had, but they even had what was the, that oh, today like special Clues. yes that kind yeah. of stuff you're right so they had all of that now, and they had the game shows that we were just talking about. They even had a theme park, which is now like abandoned. Oh, and you can go on YouTube and darn. see. There's like this person that sneaks into abandoned things, <laughs> and they, of course there is. They, they uh, <laughs> have gone into the old Nickelodeon studio, <laughs> and I'm picturing him digging through the trash and pulling out a half-eaten cotton candy, and he's yeah. like, <laughs> "Pull off the top parts, good as new." I, I think Temple to the Rat got that up by now. <laughs> It's uh, the cotton candy probably didn't survive two decades, but no, uh, no, no. It's uh, there was things like, uh, but it would have to look weird to kids now if they hadn't experienced, which would be the slime fountain and just giant big orange letters and green things. They'd be like, "What is this?" Yeah, well, it was for me as a kid. It was either Nickelodeon or Disney. You know, mm-hmm. like it was a toss up between wanting to be on a part of either TV show network um, because in Disney, ah, oh, I think I'm remembering this right. It seems like, no, no, no. Well, here's why, here's why I'm thinking about Disney because at the end of a kid's game show, they'd say, you could write in to us and they'd give the address and they'd say, in Orlando, Florida, like if you would like to be on this show, write us at, and I would always like scribble it down just <laughs> in case. <laughs> and I was like, if I could just get to Florida, I could be on this TV show. Um, so I don't know if that, that was still, they could have been Nickelodeon as well. Were, were they in Florida or were they always in LA? No, they were in Florida. They were okay. at Universal Studios. I yeah. Believe. Okay. Then I'm just, yeah, conflating the two. But, um, but I've, I actually did tour Nickelodeon Studios, like the art studio where they draw SpongeBob, um, because I had a friend, my sister had a friend that worked there and that was pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I got to see the work desks of people. And I did not sit in their chairs, but I could have <laughs> pretended I worked there. <laughs> yeah, you could have been making connections at that young age. Should have. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, that reminds me. Uh, Hand, handing them socks with your uh, embroidered face on it. Remember me. <laughs> Remember me. Um, once when I was in France studying abroad, 
on a lark, I was with this troublemaking friend and I said, we should sneak into this office building because we had like nothing to do. And we did. And all you had to do was give a name of who you were there to see. And uh, they let us in. Art Vandelay. Art Vandelay. <laughs> and we went up. We went to their vending machine. We poured ourselves some coffee. And then we left. Oh. And that was the wildest. But I felt like I was a rebel without a cause. It was great. <laughs> so that's why I don't sneak into Nickel. I mean, I'm in Nickelodeon Studios, but I don't sit there and, you know, per- I don't, you know, cosplay as an actual animator because I don't, I don't want to get busted. <laughs> I already have a, 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 what do you call it? A rap sheet in France. A uh, rap sheet in France. Yeah. It sounds like you don't. It sounds like they did, could not care less. <laughs> the security guard is like, I don't care. You're <laughs> teenagers. You don't work here. But yeah, go have some coffee, I guess. It's not good. It's not good. I can tell you it's not good coffee. Man, but that should be a game show right there. Which, <laughs> which workplace can you sneak into where they just don't It's called Trespassing. Crap? Yeah. That's the name of the game show. <laughs> <laughs> and the winner is the one that doesn't get, get busted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does not have a felony charge against them. So they, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I think you could go and actually tour the Nickelodeon studios. Now you just have to go with that YouTuber and you could cosplay as an animator there. Cause nobody's using those desks anymore. Which YouTuber? The one that goes sneaks into Nickelodeon Studios, abandoned studio. Oh, that thing. guy, yeah. yeah the so, one you mentioned, I was like, <laughs> the one I said, you know, the one I was talking about two minutes ago. Wouldn't that be funny if it was one and the same with the French guy I knew that yeah. went into that <laughs> French office building with me? Yeah, little known fact, it's also Banksy. <laughs> yeah, it's Banksy. I, 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 I even said it wrong, Banksy. Banksy. <laughs> it's not Banksy. It's it, it's the Russian version. That doesn't that sound like a yeah, like that's, a, that's their like an old so, Soviet Union version of something. You know, because people don't know this, but like Soviet Union, I think would have like these oh generic versions of something. So Banksy. Banksy just <laughs> spray paints propaganda on yes. the walls. <laughs> He's yes. very pro the government. <laughs> We live for state. Is <laughs> okay. The rat is you. I know when it says obey, he means it. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that actually, you know, you asked the question, would you rather create a game show or be on a game show as a contestant? But you've actually been like you worked on a game show for like a. Well, at least a br- brief uh, period right. of time. I, you know what? It's true. It is true. But the funny thing is about that game show, um, I was fired midway through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, your role was eliminated. That's so. true. I was. I didn't do anything wrong, right. and they were sorry to see me go. The show was running long, so there was a host, and then I was the um, supportive, uh, funny person that they cut to every now and then. And we were doing great with riffing, and it was the set was glamorous. It was very fun. We had civilian contestants. We had a live audience. It was really, really, really cool to record. But they kept going long for time, I guess, the way the game show was set up. And yeah, about, mm, I don't know how long into it, maybe a week into shooting, they were like, we actually need to cut your role. The good news is I got paid for it as if it aired. (laughs) They paid you for the entire season of it. (laughs) But the sad news is I didn't get to count that on my IMDb, I don't think. I know that. Well, that's the, and it didn't last for very long anyway, but it was one of those situations where, because you were essentially, if people remember like when Ben Stein's money. So Ben Stein was the host. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy Kimmel was the supportive. Right. You were the Jimmy Kimmel role. Like Mm -hmm. I say funny things or I do, you know, a couple things on the side here. They cut to you for some stats or whatever it was. Yeah, it was such a cool, I loved it. I yes. loved the concept and I loved the team and it was really going to be fun. Yeah. And so 
if I remember correctly, they were run. So I think it needed to be 22 minutes. Right. And they were coming in at like 38 minutes every episode. <laughs> and they're like, we can't. And so I, I can only imagine that cutting your role mm-hmm. only saved them a few minutes per episode. Right. But it was something where it's like, we're going to have to start trimming everything we can. Yeah. Because it's just not working. And they didn't agree with me that they should just cut the main host. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you get rid of him and get rid of keep him. me? <laughs> You'll save so much more time. Yeah, he, he doesn't do all that blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he talks way more than I do. <laughs> so if you need to shave off 16 minutes off of this episode, <laughs> that's where you do it. Thanks for joining us today. If you had a great time, let us know on social. Follow Kid Is In School on Twitter and The Kid Is In School on Instagram. Subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Be sure to throw us one of those five-star ratings and share with your friends. Oh, and do it quickly before the kid gets home.